are in town visiting family, and I'm glad that you're here this morning to worship God with us at Bay Area. Before I get into actually today's lesson, um, last week I preached a sermon about our enemy. I preached a sermon about Jesus establishing his church on the fact that he was the Son of God and the gates of hell weren't going to prevail against that church. I talked about the evil that's in the world. As I was preaching that sermon last Sunday, I had no idea what had occurred uh, in Orlando. I didn't find out that news until I went home. But I was reminded immediately, as you were as well, the, the amount of evil that's in the world, the amount of darkness that's in the world. I was reminded of just the need for, for Christians and for the church to let our light shine. For Christians and for the church to actually be battering down the gates of hell. And uh, you know, as we're prayerful about the, the families that were destroyed and, and all those things, uh, I'm thankful that uh, I serve a God who's bigger than all that. And I serve a heavenly Father uh, as well. We have a slideshow today. The good news and bad news. The good news is if there is no slide. Oh, okay. I was going to say, the good news is the sermon will be much shorter if there is no slideshow. So the bad news is, settle in. <laughs> but today is Father's Day. I want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And this morning I'm preaching a Father's Day sermon. And I know what you're thinking, especially you women. You didn't preach a Mother's Day sermon a couple weeks ago. You're right. We were in the middle of a series, and I was trying to, you know, I had a timeline to get to. I did not preach a Mother's Day sermon. I apologized about it then. I'll apologize again today, but I am preaching a Father's Day sermon this morning. I heard someone say that a father is someone who has pictures in his wallet where money used to be. And I guess that's probably a, a pretty accurate assessment. I know there's some men in the audience this morning that have been fathers for a very, very long time. I know there's some men in the audience this morning that are pretty new to the whole fatherhood thing. I'm somewhere a little bit, you know, past halfway, I think. But I've been doing it long enough to know that the job of being a father is always exciting. It's always a little bit volatile. It's never boring. It's always challenging, always full of surprises, especially when you're a new dad. Because when you're a new dad, you start to find out that things happen that they didn't warn you about. And your kids start doing things that, that you didn't read about in books. And you've sort of got to figure out how you're going to deal with it in the moment. Some of you might have seen this on social media. I came across it and thought I'd share it with all you new dads. This is just a little bit of help for you. It was, it was things that make my kids cry. Let me share a couple of them with you and see if this works. Um, the parents wouldn't let him lick the doormat, so he, he cried. Parents dressed him up in a giraffe costume, so he cried. Actually, I kind of feel that kid's pain right there. Um, wouldn't hold his dad's hand walking home from daycare, so he laid on the ground and cried. He's stuck <laughs> and crying. Somebody put a hot dog inside his cornbread. So he's crying. Was told that he couldn't take the store's display wagon full of pink socks home. Crying. Couldn't go trick-or-treating in March. 
crying. <laughs> Wasn't allowed to wear dirty underwear for a hat. Made her cry. His dinner's not ready. Staring at the staring at the stove. Fork in hand and crying. And then finally, dad wouldn't let him get a tattoo. In a bar. So he's, he's crying. Well, being a dad is a tough, tough job. You know, it's full of a lot of joy, a lot of surprises, and it's also, I can tell you from experience, it's full of a lot of tears as well. But here's something that, that I have come to realize as I've gotten a little bit older in this whole dad thing. Most of what I learned from about being a dad, I learned from my dad. There's an awful lot that we can learn from our fathers and from our grandfathers. And I want to set up my thoughts this morning with the story of a little boy. It's a true story. It's a story about a little boy who inherits a legacy. And then about a little boy who passes on a much different legacy. About 2,600 years ago, around the year 640 B.C., a brand new king over Israel. His name was Josiah. He was only eight years old when he took over being king of Israel. Uh, it was obviously a job that he was going to have to grow into, but I think God put him there for a reason. Unfortunately, when we look at Josiah's family tree, he had some, he had some bad apples in his family tree. Josiah did not have a whole lot of positive role models in his life. His father was a man by the name of Amon, a very wicked king. In fact, Amon was uh, assassinated in the palace after only two years into his reign. Josiah's grandfather was a fellow by the name of Manasseh. If you know anything about Hebrew history, you know that Manasseh might arguably be the worst king that Israel ever had. Read 2 Kings 21, and you'll see the total disregard that Manasseh had for Jehovah. Manasseh was the king who, who uh, sacrificed his son to the false god Moloch. He was the king who put idols to false gods inside the holy temple. He was the king who erected the Asherah poles on, on every high place around Jerusalem. This was a man who was the epitome of evil. This was a man who had absolutely no regard for Jehovah. So Josiah's father was a, was a terrible king. His grandfather was the worst of the worst. Sadly, a lot of people might be able to, to uh, relate a little bit to Josiah. Maybe you had, as a child, didn't have an adult role model in your life that walked with the Lord. Or, or maybe you can relate to Josiah because of the, the world that we're living in, the, the evil that's in our world as well. Although I think I could argue that Josiah uh, might have had a little more evil in his world. But Josiah does an amazing thing. Josiah sets out to, to break this dysfunctional cycle that he has been born into. Take a look at 2 Kings chapter 22. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adonai. She was from Bozkath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Josiah had this terrible father, terrible role model. 
his grandfather even worse. And yet Scripture says he, Josiah, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. Now we know that David wasn't actually Josiah's biological father. David lived about 250 years before Josiah came on the scene. But for any Israelite to be compared to King David as far as their walk with God was the ultimate compliment. To a certain extent, still is. And that's what Scripture has to say about Josiah. Josiah chose to, to break this cycle. Now again, maybe you didn't have the greatest family when you were growing up. Maybe you as a dad don't feel like you're the greatest dad. Maybe you didn't have the greatest dad. I guess on some level we all can at least uh, identify with those kinds of things. But you hold within yourself the ability to change. The ability to pass on a much different legacy. Your dad might have been abusive. He might have been condescending in the way that he dealt with you. He might have had no walk with God whatsoever. Or your dad might have been incredibly godly, incredibly loving. That might be the legacy that, uh, that you inherited. We as parents, specifically dads today, we get to choose what legacy we pass on to our children and to our grandchildren. Now, men are very different than women. I don't have to tell you that. Dads are very different than moms. And I've heard all my life about, you know, us preachers, that on Mother's Day we preach these warm, fuzzy sermons about how wonderful moms are, how caring, how nurturing, how loving moms are, and then a few weeks later on Father's Day we get the, but you dads got to step it up. And you dads are all going to hell if you don't change. I have absolutely no intention to beat up dads today. I'm a dad. But I do know this. Men respond to a challenge. So this morning, I want to challenge us men. And I hope that I want to, and I'm able to encourage us as well. I want to share with you three very simple habits, if you will, that we as dads can adopt or, or maybe perfect as we think about uh, the legacy that we're passing on to our children. And the first is this. Your children need to know, and I mean really know, that you're on their side. They need to be certain, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that their dad is on their side. They need to hear you tell them that you love them, that you believe in them, that you're proud of them. They need to hear you say, I love you. They need to hear it often. Bill Glass leads a a national prison ministry. And he writes about a time going through a very large uh, prison system and, and speaking to a large group of inmates, uh, several hundred men. And he asked them, those men that were incarcerated there, how many of you remember as a time growing up when you had a father or some father figure tell you, if you don't straighten up, you're going to end up in prison? He said, almost every hand went up. Now, our words have power behind them. Words are powerful things. Words from a dad are especially powerful. Words can build up and words can tear down. And our children usually know what direction we go with that. That's why some of you need to decide that you're going to break the cycle. Proverbs chapter 12 says this, Thoughtless words can wound as deeply as any sword, but wisely spoken words can heal. 
Your words can cut like a knife, or your words can heal. Christian author John Etheridge says, your son or daughter, no matter what their age, will always want and always need to hear these words from you. I believe in you, and I will fight for you. Your children need to hear you say, I love you, I believe in you, I'm proud of you. You think about the perfect Father. You think about our Heavenly Father. He understood the need to tell His Son that He loved Him, that He was proud of Him. Remember the, the scene at Jesus' baptism? It's in Matthew chapter 3. As soon as Jesus was baptized, He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on Him. And the voice from heaven said, This is My Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. God the Father told the Son in a very public way, in no uncertain terms, This is My Son and I love Him. I'm proud of Him. God made an announcement to the whole world, This is My Son. I love Him and I'm proud of what He's doing. And I'm proud of who He is. He belongs to me. Dads, your children need to hear those same things from you. Let your daughters know that you think she's beautiful. She's smart. She's talented. Because she is. She needs to hear that from her dad. Let your sons know that you think they're capable. That they can accomplish anything. Because they can. They need to hear that from their dad. Catch your kids doing something good sometime and brag on them in public. They'll never forget it. Here's a second piece of advice. Dads, your children need to see you involved in their lives. Your children need to know that what matters to them matters to you. I know we're all busy. We've got jobs, deadlines, commitments. We've got all kinds of people pulling us in all kinds of different directions. And pretty often it's our families and our children that seem to get the leftovers. Paul Harvey always said that a parent spells love, T-I-M-E. There's no way around it. And we've got to be very intentional about the time that we're spending with our family and with our children. You've got to spend time with your kids. Again, look to our Heavenly Father. How important it was for the Father and the Son to spend time together. How many times Jesus gets away completely alone to spend time with the Father. I love the passage in Matthew chapter 11. It's Jesus speaking, but I think He's speaking for the Father as well. Come to Me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For My yoke is easy and My burden is light. If you need to talk, He's ready to listen. If you need a shoulder to lean on, He's ready to wrap His arms around you. Spend time with your kids. Guys, let me ask you a question. What would your children say is the most important thing in your life? Whether they're 15 or 50. What would your kids say, this is what's most important to my dad? 
Would it be your boat? Would it be your hobbies? Would it be your job? Your bank account? Would it be your faith? What would your kids say, this is what's most important to my father? Which kind of leads me into my third and final point. We, as fathers, have been called to be the leaders of our family. We've been called to be the spiritual leaders of our family as well. We've got to teach our kids about Jesus. And as dads, we've got to model Jesus for our families and for our children. When my son Will turned 16, he was excited to sort of inherit the hand-me-down car that we allowed him to, to use to drive to school and back. There's nothing better than for a 16-year-old than be driving his own car to school, right? Went to school at Armwood. He started driving his car there. About that time, the youth group was meeting on Tuesday mornings at 6.30 in the morning down at Einstein's down here in Brandon. We got together and had breakfast on Tuesdays and had a prayer. And then they went to school. It was mostly the older kids from that area, Armwood and Brandon and Newsom and Bloomingdale and kind of that South Brandon area. Will got up one morning at 6 o'clock on a Tuesday and said, I'm going to drive my car to, to uh, Einstein's and then I'm going to go on to, to school. He's a good kid. We trusted him. I said, okay, yeah, great. So we walk out of the house. It's dark, 6 o'clock in the morning. Will's with me and he says, um, how do you get to Einstein's? <laughs> what do you mean, how do you get to Einstein's? It's to the corner of 60 and Kings. You've been there a thousand times. Well, I've never driven. Okay, follow me. So he follows me to Einstein's. We're driving down Brandon or down to Parsons. We're the only two cars on the road. I come to the light there at Windhorse. Just as I approach the light, it turns yellow, but I can't stop in time, so I go on through. I know he's going to go through the light, too, because he doesn't know where he's going. Well, again, we're the only two cars on the road. I'm looking in my rearview mirror. It turns red right before he gets there, but he drives right on through. As I look in my rearview mirror, I see a pair of headlights come on in a parking lot there, side of the road. A car pulls out right behind Will, and the blue lights come on. And I'm like, no, no, he just got his license, he's getting pulled over. And what I'm really thinking is, pull over, Will. Do not make a run for it. Pull over. Because <laughs> I didn't really talk to him about this. You know, he pulls over. Now I turn around, I come back, and by the time I get out of the car, Will and the officer you know, in a discussion, Will goes, that's my dad. It's his fault. And I kind of like, yeah, it, it was my fault. I tried to explain to him, you know, he's, we're, we're on our way down here to Einstein's, and he was following me, and I saw the light turn yellow, and I couldn't stop. And did I tell you I'm a minister? <laughs> and we're going down here to have a, a prayer, and we're probably going to be praying for law enforcement. So, you know, you know, I'm offering up any excuse I can think of. And this officer was really great. He was very kind and gracious, and he gave Will a, a pretty stern warning. And, you know, hands him back his license. Will gets in the car. I, I start to get in the car. And, and, and he stops and he says, hey, Dad, and I promise you, this is exactly what he said to me. Hey, Dad, pay attention to where you're leading them. And I wanted to say, are you a preacher? Because <laughs> that sure sounds like something a preacher would say. I didn't say that. I just said, thank you. Yes, sir. 
but I am a preacher. So I'm going to say it as well. Dads, pay attention to where you're leading your children. Because even if you don't think they're paying attention to you, they are. Even if they're acting like they don't see and they don't know and they don't care, they're paying attention to where you're leading them. And more times than not, they're going to follow you to where you lead. We all know the, the famous verse in Proverbs, teach your children to choose the right path, and when they're older, they'll remain upon it. God has called us fathers to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. Quite often that's not the case, but that's God's intention. And here's one of the best pieces of advice that, that I can give to you younger fathers. Yes, you need to be teaching your children discipline, and you need to be teaching your children respect and all of those kinds of things, but don't forget to be teaching your children grace as well. Teach your kids, model for your kids the concept of grace. And we all know you can have lots of opportunities to teach your children the concept of grace. Yeah, uh, there's times for tough love. And there are times for you know, reaping the consequences of what they do. But, but there's a lot of time for grace as well. In fact, I believe that spiritual leadership is shown more through grace than through force. Tyler Edwards writes, A man who feels that he must raise his voice to a woman to feel like a man is not one. A man who believes that he has to raise his hand to another person in order to feel like a man is not one. A man who feels he must impose his will on his children just because he can to make them feel like a man is not one. I want to share with you one more story. Corey Hahn was well known in baseball circles a few years ago in the state of California. High school player, five-tool baseball prospect, had, had all the gifts. He was named Mr. Baseball for the state of California. He turned down a very lucrative con contract with the uh, San Diego Padres right out of high school. His dream was to play in the major leagues, but he thought he'd be better off going and get an education first. So he accepted a baseball scholarship to Arizona State University. He uh, was named a starter on the team as a true freshman. During his freshman season, his third game into the season, he was stealing second base. He slid in head first, and his head and neck hit the second baseman's knee, and his neck snapped. He was paralyzed from the chest down. This kid who could run like the wind, had a rifle for his arm, was now struggling to brush his teeth. And as devastated as the family was, they all wanted him to continue his education. His father, Dale, actually moved to Tempe. Started living in an extended stay hotel kind of place. His son was enrolled in school there. Every morning the dad would get up and go to his son's dorm room, get him dressed for the day, wheel him to class, wait till his classes were over, take him to therapy where he was learning to better deal with his uh, disability, and then they'd spend the evening watching baseball team play or practice. The night would end with Corey hanging out with his friends in the dorm room. About 11 o'clock, his dad, Dale, would show back up at the dorm, dress his son for bed, 
put the television on a timer, and slip out with a simple, love you, buddy. That wasn't the story that they were expecting. But that was the story they were living. And somebody asked Dale, the father, how do you do it? How do you keep going day after day after day? And Dale said, I keep going because when you're a father, you're a father forever. When you're a father, you're a father forever. Let me show you a recent picture of, of Corey Hahn and his, his dad. Some of you might have seen this story. Was, uh, ESPN did a big thing on it uh, last year, I guess, uh, in the Major League Draft in a very touching, very symbolic gesture. The Arizona Diamondbacks drafted Corey Hahn in the 34th round of the Major League Baseball draft. He's still in a wheelchair. He'll never play baseball again, but he'll always know that he has a father who loves him. Because when you're a father, you're a father forever. Now, Father's Day is a wonderful day for most people. And it's a very, very difficult day for others. Some of you won't have the opportunity to tell anyone Happy Father's Day today. Maybe your father's passed away. Maybe your father just was never a part of your life. There's single moms here today who would give anything to have a godly man involved in their children's lives, but for whatever reasons, that's not the story that they're living. Let me remind you of a very comforting verse. Go to that next slide for me, Trex. It's Psalm 68. Sing to God. Sing praise to His name. Extol Him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord. And rejoice before Him. And verse 5 is the verse I want you to hear. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in His holy dwelling. A father to the fatherless. Defender of widows is God in His holy dwelling. We all have that Father, our Heavenly Father, all-knowing, all-loving, all-present. This morning I want to wrap up with a prayer. And I know you do not want to do this. But I want to ask all the dads, all the stepdads, all the granddads to please stand up, if you can. If you're a father, a stepfather, a grandfather, I want you to stand. And if you're sitting beside someone who is standing and they kind of belong to you, if that's your wife or your husband or your dad or your grandfather or a very significant man in your life, I want you to reach up and hold his hand while we pray together. Let's bow. Father, we pray your richest blessings on these men who are standing before you and standing before us. For every father, every stepfather, every grandfather who's in the auditorium, we thank you. So often we think it's the mothers who teach our children love and affection and kindness. But the truth is, most of what the next generation is going to learn about real love, they're going to learn it from these men. What they learn about faithfulness and loyalty and loving when it's hard. They're going to learn it from their dad. 
So bless these men. Bless their families. As together we try to be more and more like Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Rest of you go ahead and stand. Now regardless of your earthly family story, remember we have a heavenly father who is a father forever. Forever faithful. Forever present. Forever loving. Ready to wrap his arms around his children. This morning we're going to use the song that uh, has been selected as an opportunity for you if you need to respond in some way. Or if you just need to come home to your father. Come to the front and we'll help in any way we can. Let's sing.